The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. If you would, take your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. One of the greatest tragedies in this world is probably the tragedy of spiritual blindness. The Bible tells us that Jesus came into his own, to his own people and they, these were people that were looking for the Messiah, yet they did not receive him. Oftentimes we struggle to see what is right in front of us because our focus might be on something else. I have a seven-year-old daughter, and every morning we have the opportunity to have breakfast together and um, to get ready for school, and um, I'll uh, be upstairs oftentimes, and I'll tell her, her name is Kaylee, I'll say, Kaylee, you need to get your shoes on, and um, she will say, I don't know where they are, and I'll tell her, I saw them right in front of the door, and I'll come down, and, and she'll be standing there, and she'll say, I don't see them. And she'll be right in front of the door with the shoes right there, but her iPad is right here. I don't see them. I don't know where they're at. And she's so entrenched and so focused on what she's doing on her iPad that she loses sight of the shoes that are right there in front of her. In the Gospel of John, we see multiple times that Christ encountered individuals that missed the point that was right in front of them. In John chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, Jesus tells the Jews, if you destroy this temple, in three days I'll raise it up. And they looked confused and they said, 46 years we've been building this and you say that that you're going to build it in three days. And they missed the point that Jesus was trying to get across, that he was talking about his crucifixion and resurrection. You move on to John chapter 3, we find the story of Nicodemus. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And and Nicodemus says, how is this so? How How do I go back to my mother's womb to be born again? And he missed the point that Jesus was talking about everlasting spiritual life. You jump over to John chapter four and Jesus is there with the woman at the well and he and he says to her, "Uh, give me drink. And he's then he goes on to say. If you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for drink because I would be giving you that water that would take away your thirst, that would give you everlasting life. And her response is, you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to draw because the well is deep? And she missed the point. And you say, well, those are people that are unbelievers. Those are people that are lost. Obviously, they are blind to spiritual things. But if you continue on in John chapter 40, you get down to verse 31. And Jesus, his disciples went away and they come back with food. And they say to Jesus, here, eat. And he says, I've already eaten. And they begin to question themselves. They begin to say, did you give him something to eat? Who, who, Who fed him? And Jesus tells them in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. One of the major problems in our life today is that we're so focused on the wrong things and we often miss the point that God is trying to show us in our life. 
Our pride oftentimes gets in our way. We believe that we, we have all the answers. We believe that we're spiritually, uh, we've arrived to some pinnacle of, of spiritual life and, and we don't really have to grow. And so that's not a priority in our life. We oftentimes do things the ways of the world and we're entrenched in the philosophies of the world and, and we don't want to stand out and be different than the world. Or maybe we love and enjoy the, the pleasures of, of sin and so, we're so we so desire pleasure and the accolades and material things here in this life that we lose sight or we lose focus of, of what it means to live the Christian life or, or what God is trying to do in those moments, those teaching times in our life. Can I challenge you with this thought? For Christians, the focus of our lives should be Jesus Christ and what he has for us. Our goal should be to be more like Christ every day. You're in this place and you're training for a vocation, for a career that, that God has for you in the future. But the reality is the priority of your day today, the priority of your life this year, the priority of your life each and every day that God gives you breath on this earth should be to be more like Jesus Christ. And our focus should be to be on Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And as we go on and look at Paul's life, we see that Christ is the priority of his life. He wanted to know Him and the power of His resurrection, and he wanted to share Him with everyone else. And so this morning, I want us to look at this idea of making Jesus the focus of our life. In the middle of the Gospel of John and all these people that I mentioned that, that were focused on material things, on earthly things, and missed the point that what Christ was trying to make, in the middle of all these people, we find here in John chapter 3, John the Baptist. And from the, his life and his mindset and his focus... I believe God can teach us some great things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for John the Baptist and the great ministry that he had as the forerunner of our Savior. And I pray today that we'll see some things in his life that we can apply to our lives to help us focus on Jesus Christ first and foremost. In his name we pray, amen. If you would, look with me, John chapter 3, verse 22. The Bible says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. Jesus had begun his earthly ministry, and at this point he's performed miracles, he's run the money changers out of the temple. Um, and then in John chapter 3, we have this great conversation between uh, Jesus and Nicodemus. And it was after these things that Jesus and his disciples go into the land of Judea. And we see that Jesus and his followers are going to minister and uh, John the Baptist and his followers are also ministering to, to people. In verse number 22, the Bible says, And there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salim and because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. The disciples of Jesus and the disciples of John at this time were ministering, and they were all gaining followers, and, and the Bible says they were baptizing. 
Now, the ministry of John was a preparatory ministry for the coming of of the Messiah. And so as they're ministering, this idea of purification comes about. There were several purification ceremonies the Israelites had to follow throughout the Old Testament. And so they were using this to challenge Jesus and his disciples. These disciples weren't so much concerned about the purification process as much as they were creating a rift between John the Baptist and Jesus. And so they say to to John the Baptist, hey, Jesus and his disciples are baptizing as well. And notice what it says there, all men, all men. It's amazing how oftentimes we exaggerate in our life when we want to get our our way or create or make a point. And so they say all men. And that wasn't necessarily true because both were ministering and both were baptizing. But they said, listen, we have to deal with this issue of Jesus and his disciples. Jealousy often causes us not to deal with the facts and and the truth. And jealousy oftentimes takes our joy and and the opportunities that we have um, for God. We look at what everybody else is doing and we look at uh, what what everybody else is accomplishing and we lose sight of, of what we're doing and what God is doing in our own life. That's one of the big problems with social media today. Everybody posts about all the great things about their life and how wonderful their life is and their vacations. And and nobody talks about the tragedies and the trials and the difficulties that they face just, just like you do. And so we look at their lives and think oftentimes, man, if I could do that or if I could have that, if that was me, how much better my life would be. But I want you to know that John's reaction is not what they expected or what they wanted. John wants them to understand why he came. And John shows them that his focus is not on gaining followers. It's not on popularity. It's not on prestige. It's on Jesus Christ and his ministry. Look with me beginning in verse 27. Number one, I want you to see that John realized that his opportunities came from God. John answered and said unto them here, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. Understand that John realized that his ministry was from God. What's the problem, John says? Jesus is the one that I came to promote and I have the opportunities before me because God has allowed me to do it. Everything that you have in life, every ability, every talent, every resource, every gift that you have has been given to you by God. The world says, listen, you need to have high self-esteem and you need to promote yourself and and you need to, to be number one and you need to be the center of the universe. And this is what they were trying to do with John. Hey, John, you need to be the priority above Jesus. And John says, wait a minute. Do you not understand That Jesus is the reason that I'm here. God has allowed me to be a part of this ministry. God has blessed me and given me the opportunities that that I have. I can only do what God has called me to do. I learned a long time ago in my life that I need to be satisfied with who I am. I need to be satisfied with what God has called me to do. You might not think that my job or my role or me as a person is important, but, but that doesn't matter. And we have to be very careful that we're not so consumed with what other people are saying and the noise that comes into our life from around the world. And look and focus on God. I realize that everything I have is because of God. It is God that called me and I need to be faithful to what he's called me to do. 
I love 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, where Paul tells us that we are who we are and we have what we have because of God. The Bible talks about multiple times in the scriptures about the different gifts that we have have been given and how different we are and that those gifts have been given to us by God. I am who I am. I have the heritage that I have. I have the background that I have. I have the family that I have. I have the opportunities that I have because of God. And that's where John was in his life. He realized that he was where he was and he had the opportunity that he had because of God. Do you believe that today? We have come to a place in our society where everybody believes they deserve something more, they deserve something better, and nobody can be satisfied with where they are. Oftentimes I'll go to a restaurant and and I'll order something in a menu and I'll be waiting for my food and all of a sudden the waiter or the waitress will be coming by with something else. And inevitably, I'll think, man, I should have had that. Man, I I should have ordered that. That looks so much better than what I had or what I ordered. Or I'll be sitting there eating and I'll be eating something. I'll I'll be thinking about that other meal. And we're always looking at something else. I have a 16-year-old special needs son. His name is Caleb. And Caleb, is he's an amazing kid. He loves everybody. Everybody loves him. But Caleb is never content where he is. He says, Dad, what are we having for dinner? We'll be eating dinner. Dad, what are we having for breakfast? Dad, we'll be at breakfast. Dad, what are we having for lunch? Hey, what are we doing this afternoon? What are we doing after the soccer game? What are we doing after church? He's never content in that moment. He can never be satisfied where he is. And a lot of us do the same thing. We think that we're missing out. We can't be satisfied with who God made us and the opportunities that he's given to us in our life. We look at the spectacular and the popular and even in ministry, you know, you have the, the popular preachers and the famous preachers and the preachers that people look up to. You know, I believe that some of the people that are going to be at the foot of the cross and, and, and at Jesus' feet in heaven when we get there, way ahead of, of most of us, will be people we've never heard of. Ladies that sat in their room day after day praying, praying for people to be saved, praying for the ministry, just faithful to what God had called them to do. Preachers that are in the jungles and and that we'll never know about and we'll never hear about. You know, we hear about stories about great missionaries that have gone on and served God and sacrificed and we use them in illustrations. And, you know, there are countless others that we don't know about. And they were satisfied with that. Simply content with where God called them. And that's where John the Baptist was. He realized that his opportunities that he had to serve in, what, in the ministry that God called him to was his from God. Number two, he recognized, he recognized his purpose. He recognized his purpose. He realized that the opportunities that he had were from God, but he also recognized his purpose. Look at verse 28. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent before him. You see, John wasn't God. John says to them, I'm not God. I have been called to glorify him and to point people to Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, what? Do all to the glory of God. That is our purpose in life. Mark chapter 16 tells us to go into the world and preach the gospel. And that's what John is saying here. Hey, listen, my purpose is to point people to him, not to build my own kingdom and my own following, but to point people to To Jesus Christ, and that's my focus in my life. Number three, number three, rejoice in the rejoice in the success of others. That's what John did. 
How, how do we keep our focus where God wants it to be? We need to be willing to rejoice in the, the success of others. Look at uh, verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. We see a simple illustration used to, to make this point. And the situation is a wedding. The best man is not the groom. The wedding is not about the best man, but the best man is there to to help the groom and he rejoices in the marriage of his his friend. And John says here, I'm not the the bridegroom. I'm I'm not the one getting married. And he uses that illustration. It's not all about me. And so John finds his joy in the success of others. You know, it's amazing how often we can become miserable because other people are happy. Isn't that amazing? We, we become miserable because everybody else, because somebody else is, is successful. I talked a little bit about sports yesterday, and I, you know, that's one of the areas that just shows, um, just shows our frailty, our sinfulness, our pride uh, in, in so many ways. And, you know, we can play our heart out and, and have a great game and perform and, and lose. And we can't accept that somebody else is just better than us. That's difficult, isn't it? There's somebody else that's better than us. I coach high school basketball and we'll lose a game. And and I tell our boys during the beginning of the season, we will not go undefeated. We're not that good. I'll be honest with you, all right? We're not going to go undefeated. And if we do go undefeated, we schedule the wrong teams to play against. But we'll lose a game and they act like their grandparents just passed away. And I'm like, guys, we just lost a game. And, and then they'll start complaining. Well, the referees did this and, and the, the other team, they cheated and, and whatever. And we have to find some reason to, to blame other people because we're miserable when somebody else is happy. Now, when we win, we like to put it in their face and make them miserable, too, because that's how we are. It is, it is amazing to me how we look for other people to be down and out so that we can feel better about ourselves. That's, that's what we do when it comes to salvation. Well, I'm better than that person and I'm better than that person. Listen, they're not the standard in your life. Jesus Christ died because you're a sinful person. The standard is God's holiness and you have broken God's standard and you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, I don't care how good or how bad your roommate is. They're not the standard for your salvation. And you say, well, they say they believe God, they say they love God, and they go out and live like this and talk like this, and, and I'm better than them. Hey, our works of righteousness are not righteousness at all. And there's, no, there's nothing we're going to do to earn our salvation. And yet we compare ourselves to that because we want to, to be better and think that we're better than everybody else. Hey, when your roommate does well in any area of life, has a, a success in life, you should be happy for him. The Bible says we're to rejoice with those that rejoice. We're all part of the body of Christ, the family of God. And John understood that. In his life, he found joy in the fact of promoting Jesus. Hey, when Jesus is promoted, when Christ is promoted, then that's where my joy is fulfilled. Hey, that's, that's what my life is all about. I understand we're, you know, in college and it's about, you know, our grades and, you know, accomplishing all the things that we have before us, these four or for some of you, six years that you're here and um, whatever it might be. And, and, you know, you're just trying to get through and all those type of things. Hey, don't lose sight of the fact that 
We're to glorify Christ. And we're to promote Him and preach the gospel and point people to Him. And, and, and listen, when, when people that we think are, are, don't deserve it get saved, hey, we should find joy in that. When people get accolades and promoted, we should find joy in that. But man, it's amazing how our pride just comes out in us. And that's what they were playing on with John the Baptist. Hey, he has more followers than you do. And John says, hey, great. That, that is awesome because I am here and my, to serve him and my joy is found when Jesus Christ is promoted. Number four then, we see in verse 30, how are we going to stay focused? How did John stay focused? He was committed to exalting Jesus. Verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Warren Wearsby observed the, the three must in John chapter 3, and you can go back sometime and read these, but he said, there's the must of the sinner, you must be born again. There's the must of the son, you must, he must be lifted up. But then there's the must of the servant. He must increase, but I must decrease. This is his purpose in life. It's not about me, but it's about Jesus. In order to live a life of humility, we need to put Christ first. If we are saved because of what Jesus did on the cross, our only response in life should be to lift him up. We we need to commit to exalting Christ. And then number five, we need to submit to the authority of Jesus. John was submitted to the authority of Christ. He says in verse 31, He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. John wanted his disciples, these followers that are pushing him to challenge Jesus, to understand that he was submitted to the authority of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, the issue here is not the issue of baptism, but it's more of an authority issue. In 1 Corinthians, we see the people in the church saying that I'm of Paul and I'm of Cephas and I'm of of Christ. And and Paul wants them to, to understand that that we are not divided, but it's not about Peter and it's not about Paul or Apollos, but it's about Christ. I serve Christ and he is the authority. But these disciples are thinking, John, wait a minute, we, we serve you. We serve you. And John's saying, no, you, you have missed the point. I serve him. And so as he walks through here, he's telling them, Who Jesus is. There's a difference between John and Jesus. And he wants them to understand. Why do I submit to the authority of Christ? Because he is the one that came down from heaven. He left heaven's glory to come to take away the sins of the world. Remember it is John the Baptist said. Behold the Lamb of God. He understood who Christ was and why he came. And so it was easy for him to submit to the authority of God. Can I ask you today. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you understand the reality of the fact that Jesus is God that came in the flesh to take away the sins of the world? Do you understand and believe that Jesus died for your sin? Have you accepted Christ 
free gift of salvation by faith. Many people lose sight of who Jesus is because we're so focused on the things of this world. But John never lost sight. He understood. Christ is the Son of God who came down from heaven, who God has given everything. And then don't miss that very last verse. If you believe on the Son, you have life. It's not if you believe on John. If you believe on me, then it does no good in your spiritual life. It doesn't matter that you're following me. That does nothing for you. If you believe on the Son, you have life. You see, today we heard about the Christian service opportunity. You know, you go to the mall, you're going to walk past people that, that without Christ, they will die and go to hell. And John says, if you believe on the Son, you have life. That's, that's who I serve. That's who I, I promote. That's who I live for. He was solely focused on Jesus, who he is and why he came. Can I ask you today, do you realize your opportunities from God? Just the privilege of being at Pensacola Christian College and having the influence of the faculty and staff and, and even the, the, the roommates and the friends and the collegiate uh, folks and all that in your life, the people that you're sitting with. What a privilege it is to be in a place that loves God and, and loves you and wants to invest in your life. Realize and recognize this privilege is from God. It's not because you deserve it or you, uh, you're owed it. But God has blessed you with the privilege. Don't take advantage of that. Don't lose sight of that. Recognize your purpose. Your purpose, you know, your, your career might be to be a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or electrician or even a pastor. But your purpose is to glorify God and point people to Jesus Christ. That's your purpose today and each and every day of your life. Rejoice in the success of others. Hey, you might, you might lose something. You might have a bad day. And others around you might have victories in their life. Rejoice in the success of other people. Rejoice when people trust Christ as their Savior. Commit to exalting Christ and then submit to His authority. But the only way we're going to do any of this is if we understand truly who Jesus is. I have a lot of people in my life that, that are very dear to me. It's a privilege for me to have my wife here with me today. And uh, traveling with me. I, I love my wife. And I'm so grateful for her. And because of our relationship, there's a certain way that I treat her. And there's certain expectations that I have for other people to treat her. If you mistreat her, we're going to have a problem. All right? We're going to have an issue. Uh, I love my parents. They just moved from Alabama to Indiana where we live. And I get to spend time with them oftentimes. And uh, I, I love my parents. And there's a certain way that I treat them. And, and there's a certain way that I talk to them because of who they are in my life. There's a lot of people like that. And I'm sure you have the same thing in your life. There's people that you love. There's people that you care about. And so there's a certain way that you act in front of them. There's a certain way that I act in front of Dr. Atkins. Because he's an elder man. <laughs> and I'm supposed to respect my elders. There's a certain way that I act in front of people because they, they deserve my respect. We think about people in our society today that have fame and fortune and, and people fawn over them and want to be in their presence and to know them. Hey, listen, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the family of God. And you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
He died for your sin. He's the king that one day we'll spend eternity with. Think about who Jesus is. And don't ever lose sight of that. It's easy to get focused on your grades, focused on your career, focused on your problems, and lose sight of who we are in Christ and all that we have. Hey, listen, today, I hope that your focus will be solely on Jesus Christ and you'll live for Him and exalt Him all the days of your life. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.